Would you like to know some insights after someone having sent 2,700 daily emails in a row? Surely that would be helpful for you and your list building dream. Well, I'm joined by Mark Mawinney. He's going to tell you all about it. You're listening to Email List Profit Secrets, the podcast to help you get more customers, make more per customer, and keep them come back with the power of your email list. I'm Jules Dan, and after generating over $15 million in client results with email, I realized I didn't have the secret ingredient in my business that provides the ultimate freedom, an email list. Now, follow along as I document my journey to 1,000 buyers from my own email list, starting from absolute scratch. My guest today has sent... 2,700 daily emails in a row. He hasn't missed a beat. So you can be sure that he's had a lot of experience in the ups and the downs when it comes to building and monetizing email list. Today, I'm joined by Mark Mawinney, and he's going to tell us all the juicy bits that he's learned after sending 2,700 daily emails in a row. It's absolutely crazy. Here's my interview with Mark. Welcome back to Email List Profit Secrets. I'm your host, Jules Dan. I'm joined by Mark Mawinney. Mark, thank you for coming on the show today, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you were on my show recently, so I'm glad that uh, I got over here. Hey, Mark, I'm really excited because this podcast is all about the challenges of uh, growing and monetizing your email list. And when I was on your podcast, we had a really good chat about how you were not frequently sending emails uh not as much as like a daily cadence and then you know things changed after you saw uh our friend ben settle give you some insight into maybe you should change that i think this would be a really good place to start the conversation and you're more than welcome to like uh you know tie in your own personal story to this but i love you could take it back take us back to what your email marketing looked like before you're doing daily emails sure uh, so I got online, I'm a coach, so it's in the online coaching world in 2014. And from roughly March 2014 to April 2016, mm-hmm. so two years, give or take, I did email like most people online, you know, inconsistently where oh, I would send out maybe one a week, there might be one every two weeks, sometimes two a week. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't consistent. And uh, the other issue is they're boring as hell. <laughs> so they're the perfect cure for insomnia. If anyone's having trouble, you know, sleeping. because <laughs> um, I was making that mistake being a new coach. So I can't risk offending anyone. And if uh-huh. I lose a subscriber, it's the end of the world, right. and just all that stuff. So by April, 2016, I was ready to give up on email marketing and just focus on what was working because I'd been doing getting clients through podcasting, social media and other stuff. And like you mentioned, Ben Settle uh, was on my podcast back then and I was griping to him about it. Now, Ben's a big proponent of daily emails and he basically said afterwards, why don't you try daily emails? And I thought, oh, you know, same normal objections that anyone listening to this would be right. thinking about. Lots emails. of stories we might tell ourselves. Everyone will hate me. They'll um, throw rocks through my window. They'll unsubscribe. I'll get death threats and blah, blah, blah. You know, and uh, so I said, that's ah, a little too much. But I said, well, what do I have to lose? You know, so I'll give it a try for a month. And, um, you know, if it doesn't work out, yeah, no, no harm or whatever. So I gave it uh, one month where every day I would send emails. And I also took the filter off. That was the other thing. There's two parts of the equation, daily emails. But then I also went unfiltered, which made it a lot more fun writing the emails, by the way. 
Um, and what I discovered, I can't say I made a million dollars in that first month, but I mm -hmm. started to get some sales trickling in from email and also, which I think is important, replies because it was very rare in the past when I'd get a, someone replying to one of my emails, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there's subscribers replying to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so I was having fun writing those emails. I think that probably came through with it. And I also was chasing away people uh, who weren't resonating with me. They weren't the right fit because all of a sudden, oh my God, Mark's sending daily emails. I'm not used to getting this much from him. Or he yeah. said uh, crap, the word crap in an email, which a coach actually did say to me, Mark, I enjoy your emails, uh, but energetically, we're not in the same vibrational yeah. plane. Yeah, and you're like, okay, and it, okay. Yeah, can, yeah. yeah, can you clean it up? Yeah, can you clean up your your language or whatever? Like, Anyways, I said, look, it's, if you want to unsubscribe, that's cool, but I'm not changing how I do the emails. So that's it in a nutshell. That was April of 2016. I started mm -hmm. daily emails. And if I'm not mistaken, as of today, we're up somewhere like 2,700 straight days of emails. And Bro, in that time, I probably sent, yeah, so good. I probably sent like 4,000 4, emails because some days have yeah. been multi-email days or whatever, but it's been 2,700 straight mm -hmm. days-ish. That like that that is you should get a gold medal in um daily emails <laughs> because yeah. that, I I think uh you I'm not I'm not sure if Ben's missed it I think he's missed a few days um but twenty twenty six hundred you said or twenty seven hundred twenty seven hundred twenty seven hundred yeah yeah, yeah. insane okay and I imagine that you found some discoveries in the first let's say two hundred days three hundred and sixty five days like. Could you walk me through um, what those initial discoveries were after you got past those, uh, you know, those limiting beliefs? Maybe not limiting belief, but just like stories might people might tell themselves, like people are unsubscribe. I might be annoying people. Am I actually providing value here? Maybe I'm talking too much. I, I'd love to hear what those were. So my whole philosophy around email is uh, first off, you have to reward someone for opening the email and spending, even if it's 30 seconds or a minute of their day, everyone's busy. And that's, there's a responsibility to make sure that their time's not wasted. So the way that I approach emails, a couple things is I like to make them entertaining again, to reward them for reading it. I'll usually tell a story, uh, give a sort of golden nugget, something like that. And then I'll transition to an offer invitation. So every single one of my offers or emails makes an offer to take the next step. Now, it's not always an offer to purchase something. Sometimes it could be a link to a podcast episode exactly. yeah. or whatever. Or but it applies for an email or something like that. Yeah. But often it is, uh, and it's a, it, I'm selling something, you know, it sounds crass. A lot of people, oh, gee, no, I don't want to do that. But um. The uh, analogy that I always use when people talk about the need to nurture, and I hear act, quote experts giving this advice, unfortunately, all over. Oh, once someone joins your list, don't mention anything salesy for 50, don't try selling anything for 30 days, 50 days, whatever. You got to nurture them, then you can make offers. And that's really bad advice. Uh, the analogy I would use if you had a splitting headache, you went into the pharmacy, you, you just your head feels like it's going to pop off, you're just in bad shape. Mm -hmm. And if the pharmacist said, I'm not going to give you anything for it, Jules, uh, but I'm going to give you a brochure talking about the history of headaches and some fun <laughs> facts around headaches and send you on your way, you'd be pretty pissed off, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the same way people are on your email list because they want help with something. And if you're dancing around giving that the help with, quote, nurturing, I think that's the wrong approach. Exactly. It's like, do you even believe what you have is actually going to help people? And I think what I found with clients too is like the people who are afraid, 
it's okay let's get back to the very beginning and ben i got this from ben as well which is how do you set the expectations that when you enter this list that i will be promotional i'll be direct i'll want to help you but you just so you know there's going to be daily promotional emails and i've used that little line of copy with some you know make it interesting and like what's in it for them but it's that opt-in page with a box that says daily promotional yeah. emails that have to double opt-in. It's like you're making sure right from the beginning that you're getting the right people predisposed to receiving these pitches. Okay. Yeah, too too many email marketers are, are afraid of their list and they may not mm-hmm. even realize it. So here's one way that I notice it. I've had people ask me before, you may have heard this too, Jules, where they say, um, I haven't emailed my list in six months or sheepish about it, right? Um, I, I want to start emailing them again, but I, I don't know how I'm going to let them know that I'm going to start, let's say, doing daily emails. Yeah. And they're, they're feeling guilty. And, you know, you can send a quick email, but it doesn't have to be a thousand word thing that makes like, it sound yeah, like you, it you killed their, apology letter. <laughs> yeah, you killed their dog or slept with their spouse or something. And that's what I've seen. I've had clients of mine, hey, Mark, can you have a quick look at this? I'm going to send this to a dead list, a cold list I haven't emailed in a long time. And it's very apologetic. And it's I'm, I'm thinking, don't feel bad. And also, don't be surprised when you start doing daily emails, you're going to don't look too much at your unsubscribes or put too much attention into it because mm-hmm. you are going to get a higher number of unsubscribes in the early stages because people weren't used to hearing from you often. All of a sudden you're hitting their inbox every day, but that's actually a good thing. I would rather have a smaller list that um, you're emailing daily and that you're building that relationship and that's a more engaged list as opposed to a large list that you're very rarely emailing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I do see a lot of entrepreneurs are afraid of their email list or they're also afraid of their Facebook group selling there. They're afraid of selling anywhere. And you can't be like that. Um, you're you're dead if you have that fear with your email list. So just unapologetically, you can help them. You have the, something that is a benefit to them and you should be going uh, out there pro- uh, promoting it, inviting them to take advantage of it. Exactly, man. Like if you've got an offer, go make it happen. And what you said before, it's like what you before our conversation, you were saying um, you're talking about the size of your list. You're talking about your size of your list there, and I think this is a really good uh, leaping off question because I remember your body language is like, oh, I don't have a big list. It's four thousand. I know for some people listening, like mm. I wish I could have a list of four thousand, yeah. and there are also some people who have a list of five hundred thousand. And they might feel like I don't have a big list compared to someone else. So it's all about perspective. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you've probably pushed away uh, lots of subscribers because of um, what you like uh, repelling people to attract the right people, being specific with who you are and showing up and being unapologetic, which is frankly how you should be doing it. Was there any challenges that you found early on in the first maybe year or two in list building? And because the moment, if you're not accepting everyone, you're pushing people away. I'd be curious to hear your perspective on like, were you trying lots of different things? Was something working consistently when it came to building the list? Uh, so where I get the most opt-ins for my list, if I'm on a show, like say for yours here today, mm-hmm. um, I do notice an uptick with subscribers because people are hearing it who don't didn't previously know me and then they'll check me out. 
Um, but I get a lot of my subscribers from my Facebook group, The Coaching Jungle, which you're mm-hmm. in. So thanks for being a member. Um, anyone wants to check it out, it's .coachingjungle.com. Uh, but when people request to join, there's a question in there basically asking if they would um, like to get a resource from me and be on my list. Uh, so yep. that group's at 25,000 members, almost 25,000. I'm not going to have every single person in there is not going to join the list, but there's a good number of people that go in there. And it's like an ecosystem. The Facebook group helps grow the email list. Mm -hmm. But then when people are on my email list, the first auto responder, the first email they get, the PS is inviting them to join the Facebook group. So it's like an ecosystem going around. Both are growing each of them. Um, Challenges for list building. uh, Early on, because I imagine like you, I'm not sure how, thriving your group was back in 2016 um or if you're trying lots of different things i, I think that's what i want to yeah get to so, the bottom of. so the coaching jungle at back and was launched in the fall of 2015 i went to daily emails in the spring of 2016 so it was mm-hmm. only six months or so later so the group may it, it was a decent sized group to start it was probably at a couple thousand at that point but it wasn't an enormous uh group with it um, I think that the biggest challenge for the growth, it, it comes down to how do you get people from uh, social media onto your list, which should be your main goal. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people brag about and think, oh, yeah, I've got this many Facebook friends, this many Instagram followers. Okay, that's great. That's a very weak, shaky foundation to build it on yes. because the powers that be could at any point you know, your account gets banned or you're deplatformed, whatever. You should be trying to pull people over onto your email list, which you control, and you're not going to Mark Zuckerberg or whoever um, screwing that up with it. So the, the key is showing value. Why should somebody uh, join your list? They're already being bombarded with so much noise on social media and everything else. And there's something that an author wrote in a book. Uh, Josh Burnoff wrote a book called Writing Without Bullshit. And he has the iron imperative in there for authors. And basically it says, I might be paraphrasing, but this Mm -hmm. is close. He said, treat the reader's time as more valuable than your own. And that's what goes back to what I said earlier as well as you want to be very, very mindful of their time and don't expect, oh yeah, well, it's only a minute or two to read the email. What's the big deal? Those add up in the run of the day. People just don't have the bandwidth, the time to, unless they really enjoy. And that's why you got to take the uh, filter off, have some fun. Your uh, subject lines are huge. A lot of people don't pay enough attention to subject lines. And then the email doesn't get opened, doesn't get read. Uh, Ben's great at this. I remember he told a story about uh, one of his subject line was, I was thinking about you in the shower, I think it was. And he was uh, talking about, you know, something to do with his prospects and an offer. And someone replied and, you know, thought they called him a pervert. Oh my God, you're thinking me in the shower and stuff. Obviously he wasn't thinking of them that way. I've had some fun with some of my subject lines, which have intentionally poked uh, subscribers because I'm the type I want to chase away super sensitive people, people who yep. don't have a sense of humor. So mm-hmm. some of the lines just off the top of my head that I know I got uh, some blowback on because I heard from them. One was uh, there's more than one way to skin a cat uh, because it was talking about mo- different ways to build a coaching business. I didn't mm-hmm. literally mean multiple to literally skin a cat. It's an old saying, but yep. someone was awful someone i don't know if she's a member of PETA or something um emailed me at another one uh oh uh, my evil plan to destroy the planet because it was talking about my print newsletter (laughs) secret coach club and it was tongue-in-cheek because i have that people oh my god you're awful you have a print newsletter 
I don't think that's going to kill the earth. We're in trouble if that's going to kill it. But um, so I had people come back on that. I had uh, people come back because I once compared most coaches trying to build their business where they were um, trying to cobble together advice from all over the place, from free calls, from PDF stuff like that. Yeah. And I said, it's a lot like the old, you know, the Wright brothers when they're trying to invent flight and they had, uh, but before them, there's all these contraptions with like the weird wings and yeah. they're held together by tape and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> those flying contraptions. I, that's what I was saying. And I had uh, one woman who emailed back who was very offended at that comparison, which is strange. Um mm-hmm. I told a story once from a trip in Mexico where I witnessed on the very first day getting to the resort, someone was out in the water, which was crazy that day. It wasn't calm waters and almost drowned. And then his friend went out to rescue him and he almost drowned or whatever. And I wrote an email Mm. around that, not trying to make light of drowning, but I was, I connected it with coaches doing it on their own and not getting help and, and stuff like that. I had someone get back to me that said that that was very cruel because they're, you know, what if someone lost someone to a drowning or whatever. So um, have uh, it, take the filter off. Don't be afraid, like push the limits, uh, whatever you can, because you have to get them to open that email and to read it. Right. And I think this is a really good point where back to the original question of list building and overall conversions and, and monetizing the list. It's like Mark hasn't been afraid to use language that repels the wrong people because I imagine the people who you've done business with are really good. Maybe they don't push back as much. They're on the same page. They're fun to work with. And I think the key lesson is for the sake of like building a list fast and really building a list really like a a high volume, big list, maybe it's worth more worthwhile to consider who you really want to work with. Yeah, because I like to make jokes with clients. You know, yeah. I'd like to have fun. Um, that I have a dry sense of humor. It can be sarcastic, stuff yeah. like that. I'll I don't want to worry if I, yeah, I don't want to worry if I say something and the client gets all offended over something that's not even that bad and it's, it gets awkward and I just don't want to deal with it. So yeah. um, I do my social media the same way. I'll say, I'll push the limits on social media. I have a twin brother and he's more behind the scenes. He edits podcasts and he doesn't wade into contentious debates. He's like, no, no. So um, he said to me before, oh, should you have posted that, you know, on Facebook or, you know, do you want me to delete this from the podcast? You said this. And <laughs> You're like, no, it's strategic. <laughs> Yeah, I said, no, I said it for a reason or whatever. And I don't blame him, but he's just, he. I like to poke the bear a bit because I get bored if I'm not doing that. I, it, you know, there's so many coaches that that spend their days, and I love motivational quotes, but they're just vomiting out other people's motivational quotes all day or these recycled, half-baked oh, yeah. ideas that you hear from substance. all over. Yeah. yeah, so they're quoting, they put up an Oprah quote, Tony Robbins quote, a Jim Rohn quote or whatever. And that's fine. I love quotes, but I think people want to hear from you, not Oprah Winfrey or from some personal development author who's been dead for years uh, with it. Put your own personality into it. Mm-hmm. I, I really love this idea of like using your opinion and pushing people away with the right language. And um, it's definitely something... I've been on my journey, like figuring out, like, wh- at what level do you want to cross? Like, and, and oftentimes, maybe you felt this too, like, right before you hit send, you're like, should I send this? And then when you send yeah. it, it's like, it works really well. Or oftentimes, yeah. it works better than it doesn't work. 
Yeah, I mean, any, anyone who follows me knows, like, this shouldn't be controversial, by the way, but in 2023, it is. I'm a capitalist. I'm a proud capitalist. Why is I that? It, it, Why yeah, is it, that? you would swear that, that, you know, I said, oh, I love Hitler or something like that, you know, but it, it, it's not, it shouldn't be controversial to say that um, you love capitalism. Um, I have uh, some communist socialists that follow my stuff that capitalism's evil, but of course, they're on their $1,500 MacBooks, sipping on their Starbucks and everything, so they don't realize the uh, irony there. Um, yes. You know, I'm not into woke stuff. Like I love movies. I hate woke movies and I don't like a lot of this woke stuff getting into culture. And I've talked about that being, being shoved down our throats, uh, which a lot of people won't wade into, but I'm like, well, you know, I believe it now. I'm not saying everyone has to think the same way as me. You know, I'm all for good debate. You know, I like debating things uh, as long as it doesn't devolve into personal attacks uh, with it. So you, it's going to take a little bit. I'm not saying that you go out there and you try to piss everyone off. Cause I feel like some people go a little too far. They go the other way where they're like, I'm going to be the biggest jerk out Insulting. there. Yeah. Yeah. Just be like a radio talk show host and just scream at, you know, the clouds all day and insult everyone. You, you know, you're still in business, but I do think that people want to see your personality. They like to know your beliefs and, and stuff. And you have to not forget that as you're building your business. Exactly. Like there's a fine line between repelling people by saying, um, I don't want to work with these people because versus like throwing punches and just saying and complaining and bitching, which is totally different. Um, yeah. I've seen Ben use it in a way where he'll like, he'll bring it up. Like he'll, someone will complain in the email and he'll bring it up in the email and he'll explain tactfully why this person's wrong mm. and why their yeah. why their thinking's flawed in an entertaining way, rather than just saying flat out this person's dumb. And he I think calls them as un, unpaid marketing interns, I think. So if he gets a troll or someone reaching out, he'll turn it into an email, and then he'll um, and sometimes a sale. So there was a uh, washed up hip hop artist he got into a Twitter fight with. I don't know if you remember that. No, I don't. Ben's wife, Stefania, is like, uh, Hispanic, and uh, this hip-hop guy was calling she and Ben racist, which doesn't really make sense, or white supremacist, sorry. Um, and uh, so he decided that weekend to have a right supremacist That's, that's sale, right, yeah. W-R-I-T-E, yeah. and I think he made $30,000 in sales. <laughs> and, he, and he thanked the washed-up hip-hop guy, who still had a, a decent Twitter, I guess it's called X now, following, uh, but he hadn't really been relevant um, musically or culturally for years. And uh, he actually flipped that attack around and turned it into $30,000. So yeah, uh, that's, that was very smart. So that's what I would say. Don't um, get into fights with trolls and spend all day fighting with strangers on the internet, you know, email, whatever, um, but you can take their attack and you can actually use it to make sales, which is pretty smart. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like this. And speaking of sales, man, um, Email, I guess the strategy hasn't really changed since you've started, but like trends have changed, what people are interested have changed, um, maybe your offers changed a little bit. How have you, uh, like what are the challenges you're facing right now? Might not be a challenge, but something you're working through to keep remaining relevant and continue to be able to monetize your list right now. Uh, well, I think it's noisy. It's always been a noisy marketplace. You know, 2014, when I started, I was like, wow, it's noisy out here. Mm -hmm. Now it's 10 times the same. So 
gone are the days. Uh, I remember there used to be days where you could slap up a sales page. You just send people there, even coldish traffic, yeah. and yeah, you make sales. Yeah. yeah, those days are gone. I feel like people, uh, and that's where daily emails help, is they um, want to get to know you and stuff. There, there are some, but most aren't going to just be introduced to something of yours. And five minutes later, they're whipping out the credit card and buying something. So often with my clients, I, I'll ask them like, hey, how did you find out about me? Or whatever. And like, oh, I've been on your email list for the last couple of years, or I've been in your group, or I've been listening mm-hmm. to your podcast or whatever. And uh, that goes back to, I mentioned ecosystems earlier. In a perfect world, you're going to have people connected with you all over. They're on your email list. They're in your community. They're connected with you on social media. They listen to your podcasts. Because that way, if they miss something that you're doing somewhere, they're going to see it elsewhere, uh, Mm -hmm. just wherever. Uh, But I guess that would be the challenge is that you can't be complacent and just expect that, oh, I'll send an email out with a link and I'll make sales. You have to keep trying things. You have to... uh, find ways to get them to open the email, keep your email open rates up, and then your conversions as well. Okay, cool. I like this, man. Keeping that, keeping the, when you say uh, trying to keep the open up, open rate up, is that like working on deliverability or is it like um, making sure you're always pushing the envelope with how to grab attention? Yeah, I mean, some people look a little bit too much at open rates because at the end of the day, Obviously, you want to have a higher open rate. They're not always completely accurate. I'll give you an example. Earlier this week, a client of mine is start. She's a new coach starting her email list, and she sent me her first um, email that she wants to send out to the list. And it was littered with images, for example. And we go back to Ben. That's where I learned it from. No images. My emails are very cut and dry. No fancy graphics or whatever, because that's going to hurt deliverability. Yeah. Um, people can't even see them in some cases. And just for me, it. So I don't like when people send emails out that look like um, uh, magazine newsletter type right. things. They get the banner and they got all the social posts, the little buttons at the bottom, and there's way too many calls to action. Yeah. So I like promotional. It, yeah, keep it nice, clean, and clear. You know, my emails are only a couple hundred words usually, and uh, then rate to one call to action. That's another pet peeve when I see people do four or five calls to action. They'll say, um, you know, I go over this in my book. Here's where you can find on Amazon. Oh, you should join my Facebook group called blah, blah, blah. Go here. Oh, I have a case study where I work with someone to do this. Go here. Oh, I did, you know, book a call with me. Go here. What it's do they just, want? What do you want them to do? You're like, focus. Yeah, people get frozen. And there's been studies with this. So I'm not the first one, obviously, to say it. Uh, like there's a book, a book called, I think it's The Paradox of Choice. Um, but there's been studies showing when people have multiple choices on menus at the grocery store, whatever, they freeze and they tend to buy less uh, because of that. I'll tell a really quick story if we have time um, that I've heard it, from. Oh, boys, I, I want to, jeez, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to get you the link if you want to put it on the show notes page because I remember who actually, I, this isn't my story, by the way. It was a, a marketing expert who mm-hmm. uh, ended up, uh, was being hired uh, the people do the Swiss army knives had a watch like the Swiss army watch. Yes. And they wanted him to do the magazine, uh, the ads, the designs yeah. for those. And so when he first went in, um, they had three watches. They had th- the colors were, I forget why, uh, camouflage or like beige, red and black or something mm-hmm. like that. And they had three sizes for each of those colors. They had kids, men and women's. So that's what nine choices. And they mm-hmm. wanted to have all nine, watches on that ad 
And he, he knew that that was going to sink it. So yeah. he said, well, no, I just want to go with one. And they're like, well, no, I can't do that because we want to make sure that, you know, we could cast as far of a net. And uh, he got them to make a compromise. He said, look, can we do an A-B split test where we run my ad um, up against yours with your nine watches, mine with the single one. Yeah. And I forget what percent, of, you know, spoiler alert, his won by quite a bit. You know, I don't know the actual amount. It was sold a couple times more just because there wasn't so much choice that people had to, you know, um, had to go through. The, they just got like deer caught in the headlights. Exactly. Uh, the key lesson here is, folks, always be testing. <laughs> always be testing. It's yeah, it's gonna. I think it was um, Joe Sugarman. I'm googling this now because it's gonna bug me. I think it, I'm pretty sure that he he wrote that book, one of his. So. Oh, that's in Triggers. I think I remember. Yeah, that. Triggers. There we go. Yes, thank you. 1999 Triggers. That was gonna bug me because I'm like, man, I yeah, read yeah. that book six months ago. <laughs> it's yeah. a good book. If anyone hasn't read it, uh, very good book on sales copy persuasion. Yeah, exactly. So it's, um, have have fun with your emails. Don't overthink it and don't give them too many choices. Yeah. Hey, Mark, so before we wrap up, what's something cool you're working on right now in the next six months? Um, you know, it's interesting as we're recording this, we're mm -hmm. coming up into uh, the fall and, of course, getting close to 2024. So I've been in March will be 10 years, March of next year. Mm -hmm. uh, so at the moment, I'm in an interesting phase where I'm looking to not completely change everything that I'm doing, uh, but to streamline some things. And I'm popping open the hood and uh, changing when it comes to offers and things like that, because I think I've fallen into over the years, like a lot of people creating too many offers right and doing that. i'm like can i bring them into one streamline you know program uh with yep. it so i'm in the process of this is difficult for me i'm an admitted workaholic i'm in the process of actually sitting down and just thinking and doing nothing and whatever bubbles to the surface bang and and going through my business which is really exciting because that's a cool thing you don't have to build your business like Mark or like Jules. You can take components of it, but you can build whatever you want with an online business. And for me, that's really exciting. So I'm in the process of making some changes that way to keep it fresh 10 years mm -hmm. in. Want to, you know, hopefully do that every five, 10 years, you know, some sort of pivot in a way. And uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a bad answer because it's still in the planning stages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought, And I think just to clarify, because I think it's super valuable for people not to compare uh, where you're at with maybe where Mark is at. I'm guessing you have lots of different products because you wanted to test what works and some of it worked and then maybe there was something new and you got that together. Um, so there's obviously a lot of merit for you going out and testing lots of different offers and some of them worked. And now is the time to then consolidate and, and see yeah. like what does the market want and how can I sort of simplify it? So um, and some haven't worked, by the way, just uh, I would yeah. like to say everything I did worked 100 percent was a raving success. Um, it, it, you have to view it like a laboratory. You're testing certain things. When I create a program, let's say a digital program, it usually comes because enough people have asked me questions. So I've, I had so many people ask me a question about daily emails. I created a, one around daily emails around joint ventures. They're all, oh, how do you do? Because I do my joint ventures different than most. It, it, in a way, it's me. I shouldn't say being lazy because it takes a lot to create a program, but it's me being lazy that I want to direct people to that program instead of um, brain picking requests and sitting there for an hour trying to explain to someone. I'll say, buy my program. Everything's right in there that you need um, step by step with it. Yeah, perfect. So, Mark, 
uh, best place to find you online or if people want to contact you or follow you? Yeah, so naturalborncoaches.com. That's the central hub. I mentioned mm-hmm. the coaching jungle. That's the coachingjungle.com Facebook mm-hmm. group. And uh, Secret Coach Club is uh, what you see back here. That's my membership uh, newsletter, et cetera. So that's secretcoachclub.com. Perfect. Mark, thanks a lot for coming on to MLS Prop Secrets. Yeah, thanks for the invite. If you want value out of the podcast and you want to take it to the next level, I can give you some more. You could check out my YouTube channel. It's where you can see more visuals, you can see more things drawn out, more things explained better, some capture attention. Like, I know it might be like walking dog, washing dishes, but uh, I get to go more in depth and I'm much more structured. These are more loose conversations on my podcast, but if you want more concise, structured way of uh, looking to build and monetize your list, I recommend you go check out my channel. And I actually highly recommend you go check out this first video. It's, it's quite meaty. It's the A to Z of how you build and monetize an email list. I've pulled over 15 million results for clients. And if you were to work with me, I pretty much put that entire framework into a video. And if you want to go check out my channel for the first time, I highly recommend you go check it out. It's also on my channel front page as well. But I'm going to leave that in the link description below if you're serious about building and monetizing your email list.